today, I want to dive into a particular text and a, a particular story. Uh, it's a phenomenal story. And if you grew up in church, you, you may have heard this story before. Or maybe you've heard pieces of this story before. But we're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can open it at John chapter 4. If not, we're going to put it on the screens for you as well for you to dive in there. And I'm going to read a good bit of that story because I want us to get that full context of what it looks like. But a couple of things that are pretty fascinating about this story is that this is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and someone else. That's pretty fascinating to think. The longest recorded conversation. And this is the first time that Jesus refers to himself as the Messiah, where he just comes flat out and says, I am the Messiah. I am God. This is the first time that he does this. And what is fascinating about this story is that we see that somebody has an encounter with God, has an encounter with Jesus, and everything changes. And I don't know about you, but I feel like uh, that's why we come to church, right? Because we're praying. I just need an encounter with God. I need an encounter with uh, the, the living God of whoever these people, these Christians keep talking about. I just want to encounter God. And honestly, every week, that's what we pray for. We pray that each and every individual has an encounter with God because we believe if every person has an encounter with God, then uh, we've done our job, right? Our mission, our vision of the Bridge Church is to connect people to Jesus because I'm not the answer. I'm not the Savior of the world. Our leaders, our volunteers are not. But if we can just connect you to Jesus, we believe that he is the one that can still change lives. He is the one that can speak into our individual hearts and he can change us. He can redeem us. He can do all of those things there. I'm not going to, oh, you already got me preaching, okay? But uh, we're going to get there. But in John chapter 4, uh, we are introduced to Jesus and this one particular woman. And so what's happening is, and I'm going to get to this a little later. This is, this is pretty incredible. In John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation, uh, this famous conversation with Nicodemus. And uh, he's this famous religious leader. And then the Pharisees hear about Jesus and the religious leader. And they hear about Jesus and they're, they're pretty upset because in that day and time, they were called to protect the Torah. They were called to protect God's plan. And they hear about this guy from Nazareth claiming to be God, doing these miracles. And they are, they're trying to stop him, right? And so Jesus, he, he hears this and he heads to the next town. And as he's going to the next town, the Bible says that he has to go through a place called Samaria. And in order for you and I to really understand this context, because if I say Samaria, you're like, oh, great, okay, somewhere over there in the globe, right? But uh, when, you, when I say Samaria, uh, this is a particular area where the Jewish people used to, if you read the Old Testament, the God's people, the Jewish people, they used to take over that land. And then all of these other people started coming in. And with that, uh, all of these uh, other gods and other religions and they uh, all of these different races were coming in and they were they became this uh, mixed race, this mixed theology, this mixed religion place. And uh, they were heading away from God's plan in the Old Testament. Right. Um, and the, the only particular way that they were doing that is through their religion. They were bringing in all of these other gods, turning away from the one true God. Uh, and so the Jewish people, this is the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they saw these people as separated and they, they saw them as unclean. 
And they would not even go so far. Jesus, as a Jewish man in this group of Jewish men and women uh, here, the disciples here, for them to say, you know what, let's walk through Samaria. The, the disciples would have stopped and said, what? We're going to we're going to drive. We're going to walk. We're going to we're going to go through Samaria. Like we're going to interact with like Jesus. Number one, this is dangerous. Like they, they may attack us at the very least. They're going to chastise us. They, they're going to call us names. It's going to be a miserable trip at the very least. And at the worst, they may take us out. We may walk down a side road on a path. And I mean, they hate us. Jesus, why are we going to Samaria? But I love this Jesus in John chapter 4. And we're going to pick up here John chapter 4, verse 4. Everybody still okay? It says, He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you do not have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh Bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. We see this Samaritan woman and Jesus coming to the well. And there's a lot of little details in here that really give us insight to what this looks like. So here's Jesus going against the grain, right? Going against what everybody is telling him to do. Don't you go through Samaria. Like these people are unclean. These people, like you don't need to connect with them. And Jesus goes, okay, we're going through Samaria, right? He's like, I have to go through there because he has a divine appointment with a woman. And then the woman goes, hey, why are you talking to me? I want him. I'm a woman. And Jewish men don't talk to women in this particular area, in this particular time. And then we get another insight. This is at high noon, right? It, we're in the low country. It's the hot at noon in the middle of the summer. Like, we don't want to be outside, right? It, it's too hot. And she has to carry these buckets of water to the well. And at noon, most of the women would have gone in the early morning or the early evening, especially in the early morning, because they need the water for the whole day, right? To cook and to clean and all those, uh, or, or to wash their houses or uh, to whatever they would need. And so they would go early in the morning to get their water. And then she would go at noon because nobody goes at noon. She knew if she went at noon, nobody would bother her. Nobody would talk to her. Nobody would uh, say things about her. Nobody would judge her, right? She could just go at her own time, her own pace, and she showed up at this well at noon. But when she gets there at noon, guess who is there? Jesus himself. 
And he asked her and he says, hey, can you give me a drink? And this is this is classic Jesus. And if you ever wanted to know uh, uh, to study Jesus and how he connected people to the gospel, I love his conversation. Jesus asked, if you look at this, he asks so many questions, several questions, and he takes what is physical and he tries to connect it to the spiritual, right? Because she came for the well, she came for water and he connects it to the spiritual, right? And he goes, hey, can you give me something to drink? You know, something else fascinating about this story is that Jesus, Jesus, we know who is God, right? If we believe that he is the son of man, he is the Messiah. It says that he was tired. He was physically exhausted. So we see he's fully God and yet fully man, right? In his humanity, he was tired. And so when he goes to the cross later, that's big for you not understand that, that he was fully man. So he could die, right? Like his body, his flesh, he was tired. He was thirsty. And he goes to this woman and he says, can you give me a drink? I'm so thirsty. And she's like, why would you even talk to me? Right. Like, do you know where we're at? Do you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan woman and yet you're talking to me. And and I'm kind of making a big deal of this because this is a big deal. When the disciples come back, they're so confused at why Jesus would be doing this. Why is this so significant for you? And for me, it's because Jesus is making a statement. He is making a new way, right? Like he is the Messiah. He is the son of man who has come to save sinners, right? And what the statement that Jesus is making is that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel can reach every single race, every man, every woman, every child, every background, right? No matter where we're at in life, the gospel can reach us right now today and so his church his new testament church that we are seeing here today is for everyone we read the book of revelation and it says that every tongue every tribe every nation will be lifting up the name of jesus right what a beautiful sight every race every background we're going to have people who have done terrible things but yet they surrendered their life to jesus and jesus forgave them jesus was willing to cross all of these cultural barriers, right? And for you and I as the church to go, you know what? This is who God has called the church to be, right? Who's willing, you see the kids are having fun back there. Um, Who's willing to cross over these cultural barriers to go, you know what? God still loves you. God has a plan for your life. God, and then we see this beautiful picture of Jesus willing to risk his reputation, right? And you notice Jesus was never worried about his reputation, right? He was worried about doing the will of the Father. And he's like, my reputation will take care of itself. Right. So you and I, we don't have to worry about our reputation. We are concerned about our character and doing the will of the father and our reputation. We can give that to God. Right. We can. Our reputation will take care of itself. But if I walk in the will of my father and I'm willing to do as Jesus did to say they may not look like me, they may not talk like me, they may not have the same background as me. I believe the church is called to be made up of many different backgrounds, many different races, right, many different tongues. And and we can see many and women coming together and doing incredible things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's what God has called us to. And I love this because Jesus doesn't just teach this, but Jesus lived this. Jesus went first. 
And that's an incredible principle here because the woman at the well, she wasn't walking around going, if y'all are, I'm looking for Jesus. Uh, I'm trying to find Jesus. Oh, here he's going to be at this well. No, Jesus said in his divine intervention goes, I, I need to be in Samaria because there's going to be a Samaritan woman who needs to know that I am the Messiah, who needs to know that I love her and that I came to save her. There is a woman there. And you and I, we serve a God who doesn't just sit back. This is an incredible principle for you and I, but he sought after us, right? Like you and I, we don't find Jesus. He finds us. We are spiritually dead. We are lost. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus, right? He says, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. We see in the Old Testament, Moses is running from God and he's in his father-in-law's pasture and Jesus and God comes in the form of a burning bush bush, right? Gideon is sitting to the side. The Lord sends an angel and says, okay, now is your time. Let's go. God is ready to use you, right? And we see all over the New Testament, these divine appointments, these divine interventions where God steps into people's lives, where he pursues us first. And that's pretty incredible to think about because you may be sitting here listening to the sound of my voice going, Oh, well, you know, I got here for this reason and I'm hearing this for this reason. And I'm saying God has a divine intervene and working through people who are around you or working through social media, whatever it may be. And he's connecting you to hear the story of Jesus, because that's how active he is. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves the world for the for the love of God. Right. He says God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He sent his one and only son, that he lives a sent life. He's not sitting back. And for you and I, as the church, we are not called just to sit back, but we're to lean in. We're to step forward. We're, we're even willing to cross cultural barriers that maybe other people put up walls. You and I, right? They're going, wow, you must live by a different standard, right? You're willing to talk to them. You're willing to socialize with them, Right? It says that Jesus, he had dinner. I mean, sitting down at the, this is just is mind blowing. Like, can we just lean in this for a second? Because I, I think this is so prevalent in America today. Because, right, like sometimes we can look at people or uh, and I don't think it's maybe as bad. I think social media really pushes us to the extremes. But Jesus was sitting at the table, having a meal, having conversation with notorious Sinners, right? Like people, everybody knew they didn't care about God. They were running from God. They were sinning. All of these things. And Jesus is at their house, sitting at the table, enjoying some chicken. And I don't know what they're eating, but and like some pita bread. But he's enjoying that. And he's having a conversation with them. He's not worried about his reputation. He is God, right? And he's standing. He's like, this is why I've come to seek and to save those who are lost Yes, they don't think like me because they don't know me. They've not given their lives to me, right? I, they need to give their lives to me first and let me change them, right? From the inside out. I know they're far from me. That's, that's why they make those decisions and talk that way and do, you know, those things because they don't know me. And we as the church are called to do the same when my ears kind of perk up now. Um, I kind of have a church planner mindset anyway. If somebody goes, ooh, that would be a hard place to plant a church. I'm like, where is that again? Right, you know, like, let's write that down again. Like, ooh, those would be hard people to talk to. Who's that again? Okay, yeah, right, like, because I believe Jesus can reach every culture. 
We're getting ready to go to Honduras. And uh, I'm going with a team in April, my wife, and a couple of people here, Miss Cindy, and them are going in June. And uh, they're going to cross cultures. And what I love about that is, is we will go and preach the exact same gospel and people will give their lives to Jesus. Right. And it's not bound by culture or geography It's that Jesus is big enough for it all. Right. He will cross all of those cultural barriers that you and I have set into place. And uh, another thing that we see here from this story is, is this woman at the well. Right. She's coming and Jesus tries to transition the conversation from the physical to the spiritual. And he says, hey, you're coming to get this water. But what if I could tell you that you could get a I could give you water that will never run dry. Right. And he takes from the spirit and she's still kind of confused. She's still kind of thinking about the physical water. And she's like, you don't even have anything to the, the well is very deep. Like, what are you talking about? How you, you, don't, you didn't even come with a cup. You didn't come with a bucket you didn't come with rope. Like, how are you going to get water? And he's like, oh, I can give you this water that's bubbling up, this living water that'll that'll give you this eternal life. Right. And what Jesus is speaking to is that every single person has a thirst inside of us. Every single person has a God-shaped hole inside of our soul, inside of our heart, and we try to fill it with the things of this world, right? Like, I did it. Like, I remember chasing all these things, and I can still try to do it sometimes, right? That I had this hunger or this drive that can become unhealthy, right? And we have these moments, especially before we come to know Christ, and we try to fill that void with the other things of this world. But I'm here to... I, because I've been there, but when your head hits the pillow at night, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter how many girls you meet, how many guys you meet, right? It, look, sometimes we try to fill it. I know there's parents in the house. Sometimes we try to fill that void with our kids, but they're going to be gone one day, and we're left with an empty house, right? So we, sometimes we try to fill that void with our spouse, right? To go, they will complete me, Right? But our spouse is not always going to be here, right? And all of a sudden, we're left questioning, going, God, is, is this it? I thought this was going to satisfy me. But the problem is when we get it, we realize there's still a hole there, right? There, there's still a gap there. It's not filling me the way that I thought. Because the only way that we can satisfy that thirst is through the name of Jesus. He is the only one that can complete us, right? And when we come together in relationships and marriage and with our kids, right? We come as broken vessels with Jesus who has made us right, right? With Jesus who has given us his righteousness. And we move forward in his name. Because it's Jesus is the one, right? They're not the ones that complete me because Jesus is the only one that can provide that quenching thirst that you and I have. And you guys get me too excited. We got to move on. OK, so here we go in a, this story. And that's just the first part of the story. And Jesus continues to try to pull this into the spiritual, right? He, he, we see the transition. And right now, we're going to see that the story starts to turn because Jesus turns the, the water at the well, this divine intervention with this lady, and he's, he really turns it spiritual here, and he becomes uh, really personal with her here in verse 15. It says, Please, sir, the woman said, Give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Uh-oh. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you weren't even married to the man you were living with now. You certainly spoke truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, <laughs> right? Like she's like, whoa, okay. Uh, you must be a prophet. 
So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem, I love this, she kind of shifts the conversation a little bit, right? She's like, he's like, oh, you haven't been married, you've been married five times, and the person you're with is not, you know, it's not your husband. She's like, oh, well, you're Jewish, right? Well, let's talk about worship. Like, let's, let's change the conversation a little bit. She goes, uh, so tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, Gerizim sorry, uh, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, Believe me, if you see that, circle that. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Here it is. Verse six. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. I love that. What do you what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her a water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming from the village to see him. This is a, a, a pretty incredible story here. And we see how Jesus begins to, to turn the story and he makes it really personal. And he leans in and he goes, hey, um, if you want to talk about this, he goes, hey, will you go get your husband? She's like, oh, uh, uh, let's see what happened was. Um, right. Like, like, but this is you see that reaction that I just had. God knows those things about you and I, because every single person has something, right, to where we go to God and go, ah, uh, uh, see what happened, God, uh, see uh, what I was thinking there was, uh, and, you know, we have those moments like, ah, uh, uh, God, right, God knew that about her, God knows that about you, and still he said, I have to go through Samaria, because there's a Samaritan woman who needs to know that I am the Messiah, and she cannot save herself. Because Jesus has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus has come as the Messiah. It says that, uh, that uh, it's, uh, you just go with me there? All right. Did you get all that? Um, it says, for salvation comes through the Jews. And what he's talking about here is that Jesus is going to come up through the Jews, right? Through the Jewish tradition. And when Jesus comes, he's going to create a new covenant, a New Testament, right? And we see this New Testament come. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And when you and I place our faith in Jesus, he fulfills the law for you and I. Because when you and I look at the law, it acts as a mirror. And when I look Look at the law go whoop messed up there fall short there fell short there right fell short there i could read the new uh the old testament or our um i could read the uh ten commandments or i could go to the sermon on the mount right and read matthew 5 we just studied the beatitudes and i can see all those places i have fallen short but jesus says i have come to give life and to give it abundantly and she says this i want to uh, kind of land the plane here a little bit and uh, over the next three hours, and uh, I'm just kidding. You're like, uh, we got to go. 
I want to give us four things that I believe we see that this woman does as she enters into a relationship with Jesus. Four things. I believe these are four things that you and I can apply to our life here and today. Uh, And I believe no matter where you are, you could be lost. You can apply these four things to your life. You uh, cannot have a relationship with him yet. You can be following Jesus for the last 30 years. And you can lean in a little bit further to these four things as God kind of takes us on this faith building journey as we're walking with him in life. And the first one he says here in verse 21, he says, believe me, dear woman, right? He says that you and I, we are first called to believe in who Jesus is. She had to to understand that he is the Messiah. And then he had she had to believe it, right? She had to believe the Pharisees. This is what I was talking about in John chapter three. Nicodemus is there. He hears the same gospel message. You must be born again. And he is pointing to himself and Nicodemus turns away. He's a religious leader, well known, right? But Jesus came to save Nicodemus and he came to save the Samaritan woman, right? He came to save the one who is popular, has a great reputation. I mean, he was probably on a teaching circuit, right? Like a new, well known in the community. Jesus came to save him and the Samaritan woman who society, she was so terrified of society that she went to the water at noon. So she didn't have to interact with society. And Jesus goes, I've come to save both. I've come to save every person. And but you and I, we have to believe in who Jesus says that he is. And that's not something that I can do for you. That's not something your parents can do for you, right? That's not something your neighbor can do for you or your small group leader. That's something that every person has to come before God and have that moment of going, you know what, God? I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you're walking with them. Remember this famous conversation between Jesus and Peter. Jesus goes, who do you say that I am? Right. He has that conversation. Who do you say that I am? I didn't didn't say who your parents said that I was. I didn't say who your church said that Jesus was. I say, who do you say? And he takes it to the person. He takes it to the individual because God is saying, I am here to build a relationship. I'm here to make a way and to seek and to save those who are lost. And so that first step we see that she believes in him. And then this is the big one right here, right? Because as we believe in Jesus, as we place our faith in him, then God calls us to surrender. He calls us to surrender. And there are moments, I believe, in our lives where this may be easier than others, right? Uh, The the Christian fight is the only fight, the only battle that is won through surrender, right? Where I then take my life and go, God, I believe that you created me. I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, right? To divine intervention, to meet this place because you're the woman at the well. I'm the woman at the well, right? Because God intervened for you and I to. To have an encounter with Jesus. And once we believe that he is the Messiah, then we have to have the moment of going, God, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. And that's kind of big. That's broad. That's general. And uh, it can count. Count. That's not even where I can't talk today. That, that can sound very kind of big. And yeah, I give my life to Jesus. But as we think about our daily lives, I give my decisions to Jesus, right? I, I give the way that I view relationships to Jesus. I give my view of marriage 
to Jesus. I give my view of how I parent to Jesus. I give my view of how I see other people in the world. I surrender that to Jesus. I give my view of myself, right? I surrendered that to Jesus. And now I surrender that and I pick up what Jesus says. Because Jesus says that He is the what? The way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a person. If we ever want to know what the truth is, we can look to Jesus. He is the visible picture of the invisible God. And we see this, that God is saying we are the way, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I surrender that to him. Romans chapter 12, one of my uh, favorite illustrations in Romans chapter 12, is it talks about being a living sacrifice. You know what the problem is with a living sacrifice? Is it keeps climbing down off the altar, right? Like Tuesday comes, I'm having a rough day, I'm climbing off the altar. God, I got this, I got this, I'm going to double time it. I can make this happen, I can push harder, I can work more, I can do whatever it is, God. I got this. I'll tell you, I'll be vulnerable with you. Two weeks ago, I had a climbed off the altar moment, right? And I could feel myself getting worked up. I could feel the worry or the anxiety of going, this has got to get done, this is this going on, this is happening, this is happening, right? I got to feel it going on. And this song came on. I don't know if you've heard it before. It's called Nothing Else. Whew. That song came on. And I'm driving down the car. I'm actually going over Hilton Head Bridge. Maybe because I saw the beautiful ocean. Anyway, I'm going across and I hear the song. And the song is about nothing else. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will satisfy. And then there's a, there's a line there that says, I'm sorry, God. That I, I come to you with my plan. I come to you with my agenda. Because what I did is I picked up my plan. Here's what needs to get done. Here's what needs to happen. Here's my expectation. Here is what's going on, right? And I'm putting those things on me. And I'm going, come on, God. We got things to do, right? Will you bless this? Will you bless this? And God's going, I want you to surrender all of that to me. And I want you to walk with me. I want you to trust me. Because when we truly surrender... Then the next, this third piece that you and I have to do is we have to trust, right? I surrender to God, and then now I'm trusting Him. I'm following Him, he, and I'm following His ways. Okay, God, I believe that You are God. I'm, I'm all in. I'm surrendering all of those things that we just talked about, and now I'm going to trust You. Okay, God, I, this is one principle. This is one truth that you said. I'm trusting you. I'm picking it up. And this is who I am now. I am a new creation in Christ, right? And, and then as the enemy tries to whisper to us and says, and gives us these temptations, right? And God gives us the power to overcome those temptations. The devil comes in our ear and starts to whisper, you are nothing. You are fully alone. No one loves you. You didn't take care of the dishes today. You're a terrible mom. Oh, your kid said that this week. How can you even call yourself a Christian? Right. Oh, you let you did that at work. Oh, my. That's it. There's no hope for you. Look, don't 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 be open with God. Don't live in Christian community. They're going to call you. They're going to beat you down. They're going to say you're wrong and you're terrible and all of these things. Right. The enemy starts to whisper those things into our lives and God is going, hey, I want you to believe in me. I want you to trust what my word says. I want you to go back. Anytime you feel the insecurity, we feel the insecurities in our life. We need to go back to our identity in Christ. Go back to who he says that we are, right? Go back to what his word says and what his truth says. And I pick that up and go, you know what, God, I even feel this, 
but I'm trusting that your word says this, right? This mental picture is happening in my mind. I'm going to surrender that, and I'm picking up what is true. I'm picking up what is right, and I'm following. I'm trusting you in that, right? Because I fully surrendered. I'm trusting you in that. And then the last one here. Is everybody still okay? As I trust God, something happens with this Samaritan woman. And, it, and it, it's, it's so seamless that it almost seems effortless, right? She has this moment of obedience. And I don't even know if she would call it obedience. She is so overwhelmed with the goodness of God, right? With who Jesus is, that she gets up. She's all, she drops her water that she, she lugged all the way up the mountain to the well for, right? She drops it in excitement, and she runs back to the city, and she's like, hey, come and see this man who told me everything that I was, and he still talked to me. Come, let me show you this Messiah, and he still loves me. Let me show you this guy. Come, you have to meet him, and she's telling the whole city. She is acting in obedience. She's not worried about her what? Reputation? She's like, I'm Jesus, you need to meet him too. Like this guy right here, he knows everything about me, yet he still came. Yet he still is willing to save me and to change me, to take me in, to give me wisdom, give me direction. And she's saying, you need to come see this man, right? And she lives out in obedience to what God's word says, right? But it doesn't come until she believes. She's willing to surrender. She's trusting God. And when she does all of that, all of a sudden, you and I, obedience becomes this almost overflowing motion of like, oh, I got to do this. I, I need to, to, my life needs to reorient myself because I've already surrendered, right? And I'm trusting God. And now obedience comes next as I'm walking with God in this. Because God says that he said, I've called to worship in spirit and in truth, Right. He's saying in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God would come down into the holies of holies inside the temple. In the New Testament, he says that the the body of Christ, you and I are the new temple, right? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you, dwells in me. And then Spirit, when we worship, so you and I, we can all go up and we can go outside under these beautiful palm trees. And Jacob can sing with a beautiful song with the worship teams. And guess what? There's the church, right? It doesn't matter where we are because the Holy Spirit is the one that unites us. We're worshiping the true God that is in Scripture, right? In spirit and in truth. We can go to the mountaintop of Honduras. We can go to Russia, right? We can go to China. We go to all of these places in the body of Christ and come together because as Jesus says, we worship in spirit and in truth. This is what is true and the Holy Spirit is with us, right? And he gives us this beautiful picture of what you and I can do in the world today. But all four of those take faith. We can't do any one of those four steps without faith, right? Faith is what binds all of that together. It's when I place my faith in Jesus. It's I'm willing to trust him. I'm willing to walk with him. And so as we prepare for Easter, and next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and then next Sunday we have Good Friday service on Friday night, and uh, we're having two Easter services on Sunday morning, April 9th, and we invite everyone to that. But my prayer is that you and I first individually will grasp this message and go, okay, what area of my life do I need to go back to the belief again? Do I need to go back and remind myself who Jesus is? 
right? I need to go back and remember and read John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? I need to remember who Jesus is. Or maybe you need to have a surrender moment. When you know what, I picked that back up. I'm trying to carry it again. God, I need to give this back to you, right? Or maybe it's a moment of trust of going, God, you know what? I've kind of been like holding this thing, but it's been like down here. And you keep bringing it up in my mind. You keep bringing it up in my heart. But I just need to trust you and I just need to do it. I just need to obey. I need to trust that this is your plan. This is your will for my life, right? Uh, Charles Stanley, he used to say this beautiful uh, sentence. He says, it's my job to be obedient and to trust God with the consequences, right? My role is obedience. God's role is reputation. God's role is consequences, right? I'm, fo- I'm just following Jesus, right? I'm walking in obedience to his word and to his truth. And he is saying, I want you to trust me in that. And so if you're praying for that, or maybe you're in the room or listening online and um, you hear this story and you're saying, you know what, I, I've never truly surrendered my life to Jesus and I need a relationship with him. And I'd love to pray with you today and we'd love to walk with you today. In fact, we're celebrating baptism today, uh, which represents a, a life with Christ and going public with our faith. And so maybe you want to surrender your life to Jesus and we can help you get baptized right here today, making that declaration. And so whatever that step may be, my My prayer is that you wouldn't look to the people around us, but we would look to Jesus. And go, Jesus, you're the only one that can provide this abundant life. You're the only one that can provide this this nourishment, this eternal life that you have. God, and I've been seeking it in all of these other things. Jesus, I need you. So let's pray together. And I'd love to pray with you. If you've never given your life to Christ, uh, I just want to guide you through this prayer, and it's just this heart posture before God. You could pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I've been chasing the things of this world. God, and I realize I have fallen short in sin. God, I ask that you would save me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. I ask that you would save me, God. And change me forever. And if you prayed that prayer here today, there's a connect card right there in your seat. I'd love for you to fill that connect card out. And we'd love to walk with you and pray with you. I want to pray for the church. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you. We know that the Holy Spirit unites us. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us as believers, God. I pray that you will highlight things in our lives. I pray that you will remind us who you are. God, I pray that we will fully surrender to you. Maybe there's something we keep picking up and we're surrendering that to you today, God. I pray that we will trust you with your plan, with your way of life, because you are the truth, God. And God, I pray that you will help us to have the faith to continue to walk in obedience to your word, that it becomes a natural outflowing, God. I pray that you stir our souls for those who are lost here in the low country and the world around us, God, that it may be intimidating or outside of our comfort zone, God, but yet you had to go through Samaria, and I pray that you give us that same spirit, God, that we're willing to cross the living room or cross the boardroom or cross the workplace or cross the neighborhood, whatever it may be, God. God, and I pray that you help your church not let it get complicated. God, I pray that we keep you the main thing. God, I pray what's on our lips would be, come and see the man who saved my life. 
God, I pray that you give us wisdom and grace as we head out into this week. We love you. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.